Good afternoon, everyone. We're getting ready to wind down our, our discussion and, and our little study on Digital Babylon. And the last time uh, that we talked, we went through a scripture in Mark, and I want to go right back to that. Let's just jump into that. Mark chapter 11, verses 22. Uh, this was right after Jesus had cursed this fig tree, and the next morning uh, Peter said, Hey, look, that thing you cursed died. How'd that happen? That's a great question. How did you do that? Okay. And as we've been talking about Greg Pruitt's little book, Extreme Prayer, we're finding out that we've, that we've been challenged to believe Jesus said what He meant and meant what He said. Jesus' response to him was, Jesus answered him and said to him, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that what you have received, that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Now, um, there's a lot of controversy about this particular set of scriptures. Uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, used this scripture 50 years ago, and and this where I live. And and people and, and Satan, because of the power, and it comes up and says, "Well, you can't have it, it's a uh, grab it and blab it and and you know, it's a it's a prosperity gospel, so forth and so on like that." None of that is true. And and to address that, in the situation we're in, when we're facing all of these giants that are in the land, that, that the, uh, you know, we're in a new land, and, we're, and the ten spies came back and said, man, there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's people on Facebook. There's all this stuff's going on out there. And there's two guys, Caleb and Joshua, said, give us the land. Okay? So we're in a situation that Caleb said, if, if you remember correctly, give me that mountain. At 85, he took the mountain that he waited 40 years to get. Okay, So, Jesus is talking here about a physical reality. And people say, well, he doesn't mean mountain. He means the spiritual things. No, he just spoke to a tree and it died. That's a physical thing. Okay, He, he spoke to a fever and it responded, left, left Peter's mother-in-law. He spoke to a storm and it stopped. He spoke to dead people and they got up and left. So I think that he's I think that, that he's pretty well saying, speak to the mountain. And part of this is going about watching what we say. He said it's controlled by the words. But he gives us some other things here and I, and, and we want to pursue a couple of other issues here. Many of us would rather work to get something done than pray. This is what I do. If I, if I find out there's something that needs to be done, I'll start figuring out how to do it. I'll start working right away. And it seems the last thing I want to do is pray and wait. Okay? It's like uh, I told my wife and I told one of my pastors many years ago. He said, you've got to be more patient, Andy. And I said, I am patient. I just don't like to wait on stuff. And uh, he was... When I left him, he's still trying to figure that one out. And so, uh, you understand the point here is, is 
being patient and waiting means the enemy will bring all these things by you, but you still have to be patient and wait and trust God. So, many of us would rather work to get something done than pray. We get antsy after praying, and after a while we feel like we need to go out and make things happen because they're, you know, it's not, nothing's going on. This is what happened with the election. Um, we we had I don't know how many people prophesied that this is going to happen. Trump's going to do this. Trump's going to do that. And quite frankly, a lot of these people got a black eye because what they said didn't come to pass. Now, I'm not upset with that. I'm simply saying uh, the scriptures tell us that if he who has ears to hear, let him hear, and he who has eyes to see, let him see. So I'm looking and trying to hear from what the Lord says. Okay. Now, I don't want to go out and make things happen. So. When we're looking at all these things going wrong, don't necessarily want to go out and make things happen. And in part of what we're talking about here, if you go back and look very carefully at Mark chapter 1, 2, and 3, it, this is where the Lord began to deal with me on this year. Go back to Mark chapter 1, 2, and 3 and follow Jesus along there. It's the greatest adventure I went on in those three chapters, and I began to realize that. Um, one of the, the, the key things that he had was authority. And people would come up and you watch. There's, they said, this man speaks like nobody else. He's got authority in his words. He's got authority in his words. And uh, what happens when Jesus says something? It comes to pass. You go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. These guys are, Jesus said to them after the parable of the sower and all the teachings, he said, let's go over to the other side. He did not say, let's go over to the other side and sink halfway across the lake in a storm. He said, we're going to go over to the other side. Then he laid down and went to sleep. Can you trust that word when it looks like it's not going to work? That's the key element. I picture these guys in that storm trying to bail water, trying to row faster. What else could they have done? They're doing everything they know how to do and the thing's still sinking. It's not working for them. So... We need to be patient and we need to hang on to what the Lord's telling us here. Now, um, Greg makes this comment. The power unleashed by this approach has made me want to pray longer and more often. I've come to see prayer as the work. I love that because I've not, I've not felt that way. Even though I retired to, to be an intercessor for my pastor... I've not felt this way that he's talking about here. The power makes us, we want to pray longer and more often, and I've come to see prayer as the main work. Now, as he was applied, if you remember, if we go back to the story, as he was asked to be president of this, of this uh, translation organization, uh, he said, yeah, and he said, the first meeting, he says he's going in and he's, you know, everybody's got their yellow pads and they're sitting up there. They're waiting for the plan. What's the plan? And it says, what are we going to do? And he says, I've talked to the Lord and here's what I believe we need to do. Uh, we would double in the size in the next years, next few years. We're going to double in size. We would construct a permanent headquarters facility. And we would start projects to meet all existing translation needs. And we would start translation work in four more countries. Everybody's excited about that. How are we going to do that? We're going to pray. What? We're going to pray. That is the plan. These are the things that we're going to do. 
and we're going to pray to see to it that they get done. Now, how is that going to be accomplished was the question. And here's what he said. We will pray the kinds of prayers Jesus promised He would answer with unlimited power. Oh, man. Now, we are counting on God, on Jesus, to release incomparable and unlimited power into our ministry. In other words, we decided to become people of faith who simply believed God could do what He said He would do. What were the results of that? He doubled the size of our mission. He gave us 22 acres and a building. He is meeting all existing translation needs. And He gave us seven more projects, not four. And a period in 2007 and 2008 where the financial markets are collapsing, this... Pray by Faith organization grew 18%. That's pretty good. Just believe in God. Now, what is extreme prayer? I'm going to define it right here. Intentionally praying the kinds of prayers that tap into Jesus' open-ended promises about prayer in a way that achieves maximum kingdom impact. Number two. As we begin to experiment and experience these prayers, we will begin to see God-sized miracles. Number three, He will teach us how to come to know Him by learning what He is passionate about. He will teach us what He is passionate about when we spend time with Him in prayer. Number four, be aware that God wants something so much bigger for you to get than to get your wishes in prayer. I want to say that one more time. Be aware that God wants something so much bigger than for you to get your wishes in prayer. He wants to draw you to His side and show you His dreams for you and the people that He has placed in your life. Now, I go back to and I'm and I'm going to take you that we're going to finish here in Mark chapter one and. Again, here's the issue. We can't change the United States government like that. I can't, you know, I'm not going to have an impact on the government. And the people that say you need to pray and we need to get people saved and not worry about politics, that's not right. I don't have time to prove that, but we could do a long study of that. But here's what it is we got to do. Find out what it is that God's called you to do, then go do it. Now, how does that happen? I, I, I'll share with you quickly, because this worked for us at, at, at Fresh Wind, and this is what happened to me. If you go to, to Mark chapter 1, verse 9, you see this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens and said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. In verse 12, And immediately the Spirit brought him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, 
and the angels were serving him. Now, there's five steps in here that we need to follow. And I'm telling this is where we go with these guys at Fresh Wind, and it turns around right after all this started happening. I go right back to this myself. Let's look at what Jesus did. The first thing he did, he got baptized. Well, what does baptism represent? The old man dies, the new man comes up to, to newness of life. Okay? So, and we, we know Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he said to do it because it would fulfill the scriptures. So he's modeling for us what it is that we need to do. Bang, we've got to get born again. That's step number one. Number two, when he comes up, they see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. He didn't say it was a dove, he said he was descending like a dove upon him. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be pushing rocks uphill. That's just the, that's just the way it is. The third thing that we see from here is in verse 11, And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. What does that teach us about Jesus? Well, since nobody's answering me, I'll take you to the right Scripture. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For the one who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He proves to be the one who rewards those who seek Him. I'm reading, this is from the New American Standard, the 2020 version. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So we know for, back, you are my son, in you I'm well pleased. We know Jesus was operating by faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the things not seen. I'll go right back to we'll we'll go right back to to Hebrews again and look at Hebrews eleven one. Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. We know Jesus is operating in faith. So within a couple of verses, we know gee, you you have to be born again. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you need to operate in faith. Okay? Now, if you look at verse 12, it says, Immediately the Spirit brought him out into the wilderness. The, the word there means impelled or drove him into the wilderness. What does the wilderness suggest? The wilderness suggests that that's where we go to deal with the things that God's got to deal with. In my case, the COVID-19 event in, the, in St. Mary's uh, emergency room in 14 was a wilderness experience for me. I had to deal with it. Didn't want to, but I had to. I had questions from God that I needed to get answered. And boy, I'm right in the middle of it with COVID. Um, you know, lousy temperature, no oxygen. Um, I'm mad at everybody. A rotten election and on and on and on. All these things that are putting pressure on me. It's a wilderness experience. So in that wilderness experience, we find out um, I believe firmly that that's where Jesus learned what His calling was. And the reason I say that, and I'm going to say that's the fourth thing, in the wilderness, now you don't only go through the wilderness one time, you go through it many times. And if you don't get it right the first time, you just keep going around the same mountain until the Lord communicates to you. That, that's what He did with me. So the fourth thing is you'll be in the wilderness 
And you'll learn to hear what God has to say to you about where you go. So maybe you're an accountant. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a police officer. Maybe you're an EMT. Whatever your job might be. Maybe you're a gardener. Maybe you're a janitor. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're a mother. Whatever it is, God's got something for you to do in the environment that you're in that you can have an impact on those people. So, the fourth thing is, is find out while you're in the wilderness what it is that you need to deal with and what is it that God's calling you to do. The fifth thing is once you find out what it is that God's called you to do, then you go to pursue it. Then you go do it. Okay? Now, in this situation, in Jesus' situation, Mark is very short in here about being in the wilderness. And, of course, we know Jesus is being temptation. But I want you to go to Luke chapter 4, and I want to show you some supplemental things here that, that, that are really powerful. Um, Got to get a drink. Okay, if we look at, at Luke chapter 4, and we open up and we, we go back to where Jesus was talking in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, okay, that's a, a summary of what's going on right here in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, but we're going to look at it from Luke 4. Now look, remember, Jesus got, he got born again. I understand this is symbolic. It's not saying Jesus needed to be born again. He got born again. He got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he's operating in faith. Fourth thing is, he goes into the wilderness. Now look here. While he's in the wilderness, Luke chapter 4 tells us some information about that time in the wilderness. Now here's the interesting part. Pay close attention to Luke 4 verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So remember, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, operating in faith, and the, and the Scripture said He was full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Now, for 40 days being tempted by the devil, He ate, and, and He goes through this event in the wilderness. He comes out of it, look at verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. When he went into the desert, it said he was full of the Holy Spirit. When he comes out of the desert experience, it said he's full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Where did that come from? His willingness to engage in the desert, his willingness to, to, to do what it is that he was called to do, and to understand that community. He came out of there in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what happened from that point forward? And the reason that we're going through this is to show you the steps that you can take to begin to deal with digital Babylon and the questions that come up from these things. Uh, he comes out of there and he goes into the synagogue and we go to verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed 
to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now look at verse 20. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down in the eyes of all the people in the synagogue were intently directed at Him. Now, He sat down in the chair that was reserved for the Messiah. This to me is an incredibly tense uh, biblical picture of what's going on. He sits down. Now listen to what He said. If you don't think He jerked their chain before, look what He says in verse 21. Now He began to say to them, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's telling everybody He's the Messiah. He's the guy. He's the go-to guy. Okay? And verse 22, all the people were speaking well and admiring of Him. And then He begins to minister. And He talks about two people that made everybody so mad at Him. He started talking about Naaman the Syrian and the widow at Zarephath. And He starts talking about that. And they get so mad at Him that they're going to pitch him off a cliff. And look at this. Verse 28. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and brought him to the crest of the hill on which the city had been built so they could throw him down from the cliff. But he passed through their midst and went on his way. Why was he able to do that? It's not because he was God. It's because he knew what he was called to do and his job wasn't finished yet. This is where the courage comes in. This is where, this is exactly where um, G.K. Chesterton said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult, not tried. This is difficult. But because he knew who he was, and if you go back to John chapter 1 and verse 19 and read about John the Baptist, he did the same thing. When they ask you, who are you? Are you are you like, no, I'm not that guy, I'm not this guy. Well, who are you then? I'm the one, and he points to Isaiah and says, I'm this guy here. I'm what the Scripture says that I am. So they knew who they were. That's critical to being able to deal with digital Babylon. If you don't know who you are, you'll get tied up in all of these political discussions. We'll get tied up in, in well, this is going wrong. You'll get fearful. You'll go, well, I can't, you know, you'll become paranoid. Oh, the government's after me, you know. Um, I saw a guy with a with, that had the CIA had a, a transmitter in his teeth, and he had wires on his head, and the CIA's talking to him, and and you know on and on and on, no, that kind of thing. No, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is going to the scriptures and understanding who you are when you get born again, and finding out what God's called you to do. You can how many scriptures have we found? Can we find that says where God's called us to do something? He will lead us and guide us. That's what He said. John 10, and, and we can look real quick at, at John 10. That's the one in the New Testament, by the way. John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life. And as you go through here, you'll find out that the stranger will not listen, uh, that, that, the, that the, the believer will hear the voice of the, of the Lord and, not, and a stranger he will not follow because he hears what God tells him to do. <clears throat> this is critical in the middle of this, of this scene that we're talking about here. 
uh, in in Luke uh, chapter four, there's expansion of that, and in John or not John, but Mark chapter one. So the five things again: born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, operate in faith, go into the desert and confront the desert. You're not going to get there until you go through the desert. When you're in the desert, listen to the God, find out what you're called to do, leave the desert, and go do it. And trust God that He'll do what He said that He would do. Now, the last couple of things I want to touch base on, because I asked the Lord to do specifically about this. Let's turn back to, to the book of Psalms, and let's go back to Psalm chapter 1. And I want to show you, I want to, I want to walk through some things with you to give you some some. Uh, comfort here. I have a coloring system in my Bible that, that I use, and whenever I have red or pink, it's not good. And if you look at my Bible there, you can see I've got a lot of pink in here. And I want to read to you, and it's a, remember, John 3.16, we can trust the Lord. We can rely on Him when He says something that it's going to work. So let's look at this. In uh, Psalm chapter uh, uh, 2, Why are the nations restless and the peoples plotting in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers conspire against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let's tear their shackles apart and throw their ropes away from us. Sounds like, sounds like a, um, an editorial on uh, MSNBC or CNN. Okay, Let's tear their shackles apart. But listen to what God says. He who sits in the heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. Then He will speak to them in His anger, and He tells you what He's going to do. Let's go over to Psalm chapter uh, 3, verse 1. Lord, how my enemies have increased. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Verse 3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. More things we can count on. When all this stuff's going on, we can say, hey, look, the Lord is my shield. Um, let's go down to verse uh, chapter 5. How do we get protection? How, what do we do here, Lord? We, we need help on these things. Listen to this. Here's what he says. Listen to the, my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. This is the extreme prayer. He's beginning to talk to God about what it is that's going wrong. He says, In the morning, Lord, I will, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, and no evil can dwell with you. So we have God's Word that the wickedness that we're looking at, it's not His will. Um, we go to verse chapter 5, verse 9. There's nothing trustworthy in their mouth, the evil people. Their inward part is destructions. Well, we know that. We can see that displaying itself in public. Uh, we go down to, to um, roughly go over to verse uh, chapter 7. Psalm 7, verse 14. Behold, an evil person is pregnant with injustice, and he conceives harm and gives birth to lies. This is what... This is what's happening now. All this stuff that's coming out on, on TV. All of the, 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 the garbage that's coming out from digital Babylon. All of these things about, that are coming on. We see all these things, but we need to rely on the Lord. 
and we go back to our foundation scripture, John cha- or, uh, uh, Psalm 11, verse 3, says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, if you go through here and you look at Psalm 10 and begin to look at Psalm 10, Psalm 11, Psalm 12, Psalm 13, you find out a description of the evil that's going on there. And so what is it that we can do at this point? And I want to read the Scripture to you. Turn to Psalms 37, and this is the last verse. Psalm 37, verse 34. Here's what he says to do. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Here's what he says. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are eliminated, you will see it. Look this up in the New Living Translation. It's awesome. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are eliminated, you will see it. This is what we do, folks. We find out who we are. We walk in that, in that victory. We find out what God wants us to do. And then we go do it, praying extreme prayers, trusting that He will do what He said He would do, and only He can do, and not us. Not we ourselves. We can't do it. Um, I thank you for your time. I hope this was a beneficial uh, teaching for you. It certainly has been for me, and, and it will get refined. I'm, I'll be doing it again, and the Lord will improve on it, I know. So let me close in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. We ask You that You anoint this teaching, Father, and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.